From Hamilton Place Strategies in Washington, D.C., this is the HPS Insights Podcast. Welcome to HPS Insights, a new podcast from Hamilton Place Strategies, analyzing the current events impacting the business and political communities. I'm your host today, Michael Steele, a partner at Hamilton Place and former spokesman for House Speaker John Boehner. Today, we'll discuss how COVID-19 has upended the media landscape, especially when it comes to TV and digital streaming show appearances. Joining me for this conversation is Molly Mitchell, director at HPS and former director of media affairs and surrogates during the 2018 cycle at the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. So let's jump right in. Molly, you want to talk a little bit about what's different right now in terms of the news and booking environment? Definitely. And thanks so much for having me today. Um, Obviously, just as everyone's lives have been upended, COVID-19 has totally changed at a very rapid pace the media landscape uh, in a way that I have never seen before. A lot of different things are at play right now. The first is that a ton of airtime, and a lot of this is rightfully so, anywhere from three to five hours a day is being taken up by the Trump, you know, task force briefing, any governor briefings, particularly right now, um, Governor Cuomo out of New York, that's been hit really hard by COVID-19. And then any new CDC or public health guideline announcement. So there's just a ton of oxygen being taken up by that. I mean, the, the president's briefing alone was over two hours yesterday. Definitely, definitely. And also, President Trump has always been a big fan of Twitter. So that has been something I think over the last three years we've adjusted to with clients and that anything can happen. You can get bumped on live TV. I think until literally you're getting your first sentence out, you, you never know, right? That's a big, yeah. big thing to expectation set with people who haven't done particularly national TV before, but local TV as well. And so we sort of have adjusted to a climate where the president does take charge of the news cycle very often and often just from a tweet uh, that that can happen. But this is definitely something else. And it's also interesting because usually when a disaster strikes, you know, something along the lines that's horrible, like a terrorist attack or a hurricane, it affects one part of the country in particular. So you're looking at maybe the top three blocks, like the A block, the B block, the C block being eaten up by that, but not the entire show. And what we're seeing here is COVID is really permeating the entire shows across all cable, across all digital pretty much 24-7. So that's a really different environment than most people are used to seeing. Um, and then just the logistical front too. And I know you've been doing TV this week, um, but you're doing it often from home. You know, I mean, you're yeah. doing it via Zoom or Skype, depending on the network. So, so getting prep for that. And, you know, we have a, a client on from HPS who's going, you know, on national TV later today and how we prepped for that strategically is so much different than in other times too. Yeah. And it, it affects the logistics on both ways with kind of the, these news events happening a lot of time every day and also somewhat unpredictable times, you know, the, the, the event announced, the briefing announced for 5 PM may not start until 5:30. I mean, I was on an MSNBC show last weekend where we kind of had to fill time for half an hour uh, just because the president was, was late and it's, he wasn't late because anyone was doing anything wrong. It was just, they have a lot of information to gather. They have a lot of people doing important work that they have to get together in front of the camera. Um, so these things are kind of inherently inherently unpredictable. 
I think that's actually a great point, the timing being so different, because it cuts both ways, right? Where you need to be really well prepared if you're a guest, that you may only speak once or twice, particularly if you're a panel, because at any moment they could cut to something else so that you're, you've really honed in on your core message, you know, what we would call an elevator pitch that takes 30 seconds to get out about why you're on TV or you're on the show and, and what you're trying to communicate to the audience. But the other flip side is too, if you're waiting to react to something, whether it's a bill passing in Congress or the president's briefing, you may have to vamp, you know, yep. being really prepared. I think anyone who's ever going on cable should always, you know, you don't have to have all of the news memorized, but you need to have read whatever national paper you would like to, or whether it's a, a you know, a podcast in the morning so that you're up to speed before you're on a show because anything can happen and you may have to respond to that in real time. And I think that's a really good point to sort of hone in on with, um, clients as they're ready, you know, getting ready to go on. Yeah. You gotta, you've gotta be able to communicate the message that you want to get across in the 15 or 20 seconds that you may get, but you also need to be able to fill 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of airtime with the help of the host and other panelists because things are so fluid right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's also, I think it's also worth talking about how, how tone is so important in this environment. You know, things that are interesting or important in normal times are just not relevant right now as people are dealing with this unparalleled public health crisis. And so when you're talking about pitching people for, to these bookers, to the shows, what are, what's top of mind for you in terms of what's relevant and important right now? Sure. I think what, what's first and foremost top of mind for me, particularly I've worked with producers and bookers for several years now is, is starting, you know, notes or whether I'm calling people just asking how they are, you know, everyone's being affected by this and you have no idea what's going on with people. I mean, this is true. I think everyone should be gracious and kind all the time, but particularly now, I think that goes a long way and in, in a genuine way, you know, to make sure that they're, they're doing okay. You know, I deal with a lot of folks out of New York, which has been the hardest. So I think acknowledging that it is a bizarre time and hoping that they're well and safe is, is a good way to start those conversations. And then after that, I, I think I always stress it's got to be concise. You know, these people get inundated with thousands of emails. They don't have a lot of time, but cut to the chase, right? You know, right. acknowledge the situation, be gracious, but then also say, here's what's going on with COVID. I know that you are bombarded from all sides to get people on. Here's why this is really important given the context of the pandemic. And if you can't come to an answer to that in about 30 seconds, you should not be going on national TV right now. I think think we we definitely have clients who who should be, who should be a part of the conversation. And who are. Um, Right. And who who are. And there there are other people who shouldn't be right now. Now, this yeah. won't last for forever. I, I do think we have a couple more weeks, you know, and I would leave the predictions, obviously, to people with MD after their, after <laughs> their name, but I, I, we have not flattened the curve yet, you know, and once that occurs, it'll be a whole different window, you know, and, and a different landscape. But in, until then, if, if you're not critical, you know, touching some way, whether it's small business relief to employees or you know, people working or companies working on the actual response. I, I think you need to really give pause to, to what, you're, what you're doing if you're trying to go on TV. 
Well, and it, uh, your mention of MDs brings up another thing that's that's eating up a lot of time right now is that, you know, people want to hear from medical authorities. And so in addition to the president's briefing, in addition to the governor's briefings, you know, we're seeing a lot of public health experts and doctors, you know, people in white lab coats on television talking about either their experiences on the front line addressing this epidemic or their uh, their knowledge, their wisdom about public health and dealing with this sort of crisis. So that's another, it's another thing that squeezes the time available for people who aren't either government officials or doctors uh, even further. It does. And, and I do think too, if you're in an organization that has anyone with medical expertise, now that's relevant to this right. course, and you have to assume that the tone makes sense and everything else, but that if they are in a position to be spokespeople, I would definitely put them first in line. I yeah, think I mean, it's... one who, who has an MD after their name and is a credible source. Um, and you can be honest with the, of course, with the producers and bookers and, you know, you don't have to, whatever their specialty is, right? Um, which it may not be an ophthalmologist, you know, on the front lines of COVID, but if they've gone through medical school and are practicing, that is relevant now because they can speak to, the unique set of circumstances that the industry finds itself in. And I think that's a good option if that's something in your wheelhouse to you. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think we've got, I, th- I think the balance is you need something that's relevant, that taps into COVID related experience in some way, but doesn't seem self-serving, doesn't seem self-promotional um, like you're in any way taking advantage of this, of this horrible epidemic. And I would say too, to PR folks out there who are pitching, you know, trust your gut. If you feel "Mm, this is the time to really be a partner to your clients and and give them the full scoop of of why you think X or Y is really important or Z they should hold on for right now. I think, you know, you are, if you're in the media landscape or if you've worked in uh, television before, you you understand what's happening. I mean, I'm, I love cable news. I'm constantly, wired to it and and you you are the expert so make sure that you're really helping them through this because it's much better to tell a client i don't think that is correct right now for these reasons instead of them doing something and then you know the audience or just external stakeholders not really responding positively to it yeah a big and important part of the job is advising people not to do things it's not always to uh to try and insert yourself in in a conversation that that is not really helpful that way Definitely. Let's let's pause for a moment and uh, take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hamilton Place Strategies is an analytical public affairs firm based in Washington, D.C. Learn more at HamiltonPlaceStrategies.com or follow us on Twitter at HPS Insight. Welcome back, everybody. As, As we confront this unique crisis, we also need to think about kind of the practical matters or the practical impact when you're doing a media appearance after you've decided that it's relevant, decided that it's smart, you know, this is a really different look and feel and experience than, um, than you're used to. If you if you're used to doing media appearances in, in, in the usual environment. So like, usually you have a, a car service, pick you up, they right. take you to the studio, you have makeup with the, you know, the makeup experts with the lights and the mirrors and all of that. You know, they're a little paranoid about making sure you're there on time. So frequently you've got to be there like 30 minutes before you're hit. Uh, and then you, you know, clean the makeup off afterwards and take the car service home or back to your office. And, and the whole thing, it's crazy to think that a, a two or three or five minute cable TV hit usually takes about an hour and a half out of your day, depending on how far you are from the studio. 
And so, you know, the, one of the big advantages to do media in, in this environment is that, you know, we've, we've all got our laptops in our living rooms already. And it's, it's just a matter of, you know, tuning into the Skype or whatever platform your the network is using and, uh, and started talking. But, but Molly, you've got a lot of thoughts on how, how you should present yourself, the look, the feel, what, what, what you should still be doing, even if you're, you know, essentially talking to your own laptop with, uh, with your pajamas on. Definitely. And, and I think I differ a little bit from you, Steele, only in that I, I love to keep the, the beautiful work that they have done the <laughs> for my, as my, long as possible. My, my wife actually gets upset with me for wiping it off because she says I look so much better when I'm on TV. Oh. <laughs> um, and and it is, it's a sad time that, you know, we can't uh, have that extra, you know, uh, filter before going on, going on TV, but I, I definitely, it's, it's a pro con about the time because it does take a lot of time. It can definitely take up to 90 minutes. And for women in particular, it can take even longer, you know, because there is usually a little bit more hair and makeup involved, um, depending on the show. And of course the tone, uh, that the spokesperson is, is trying to hit. And, and I think that you definitely, if, if you're a veteran, you would feel like you need less time, given that there's no car to the studio, you know, waiting in the green room and all of that. But I would still strongly recommend that you're blocking at least 30 minutes before to make sure you're set up and ready to go. Um, and I would say 30 minutes before whatever time the producer sets up with you to go over the audio and make sure that's tested. I think you just want to really get yourself in a place where you feel good, the shot feels normal, you've adjusted to what you're looking at. I, I think for most people, I recommend if you're in a flash studio, so that's a little closet, it's often very cold, in a studio and you're looking at a camera, that they turn it off so that they're not distracted to look at themselves mm -hmm. uh, on delay. This is an interesting thing um, where I would definitely keep your eyes glued to your camera on your laptop and same advice that I give, I, I think applies now, you know, picture someone you're close with that you love to have great conversations with. For me, that's my mom. That could be a friend, a partner, a spouse, um, and just sort of envision them there in that green dot and get really used to talking to that. And I think that 30 minutes before is a good time, but just there's a lot more checklist. You know, when I'm in a studio, the thing I think about is, is my phone off, right? Right. right. You got to worry about your phone, your watch, your dog, your cat, your, your husband, you know, whoever else is yeah, with you. Don't, you don't want to, don't want to wind up like the guy on BBC with his kid wandering into the middle of the shot. Right. I mean, right. it's, it's a real issue right now. Right. So, you know, you still, I think you do need a little bit of time and then, the lighting and the angles, I think, are the big thing, you know, as Drake would sing about with the angles. I think that that's a really important thing to think about. Um, you know, I would make sure that it's at least level with your face. The I camera, would yeah. yeah. The camera, right, right. That's a, that's a good point. Um, not necessarily the laptop sort of depends. You'll have to try this out at home. And, and I always prefer photos at least taken a little higher up. Right. Which I would also recommend for this. So just like a couple inches above to get, it's a, it's a, just a better look for everyone, right? That downward angle, yeah, yeah. You, you, craning your neck, you know? And you, you see so many of these guys who, who clearly have the, the computer sitting on their desk and it looks like they're, you're getting the cat box's eye view of a guy looking into a cat box. I mean, it's right. just terrible. Right. 
Right. So, so getting the angle set up and then really the lighting, you know, as much, and it's weird cause it's not really natural light you'd want. Cause that can go in and out, which can also look weird, but a lot of lighting behind you and particularly above you, if that's feasible, if you're someone who's going to be doing this a lot, um, there are really good sort of selfie rings that you can buy on yeah. Amazon that attach to your laptop or your phone. Um, they're, they're like 20 bucks or less. So I think, you know, if this is something that you see yourself doing or you just want to look particularly well lit for your zoom, uh, meetings, <laughs> during your day, I think that's a really smart, uh, purchase to make, but it, it is really just the light and the angle. And then, um, cause those are sure. things I think you can control a lot and, of, you know, other things. The lights, the light, the more, the better, right? Like just, you basically yeah. want as much, you know, right. every lamp in the room on every overhead on all of that. And this is something, a fun fact I learned many years ago as a morning Joe intern, uh, when I was at 30 rock and they were giving studio tours was that the lights are the most expensive thing. And there are so many of them. And that's yeah. why whenever you've been in a studio and you're like, why am I freezing? It's because they keep it that way because if not, the lights literally would raise the studio temperature. That's how many and how strong they are. So it's, I mean, yes, everyone looks great on TV because of the makeup, but a lot of it is just the lighting too. So you can't be overstated. And you, you think that people, even if they're broadcasting from home really need to some amount of makeup, right? A hundred percent. I am a very, very pale person. Uh, and so particularly, yes, I think for men, uh, at a bare minimum, any like pressed powder, right? Right. Just because of shine and, and, and oil. And, um, I don't know if anyone has ever seen the broadcast news clip, but you, you want to avoid looking like you're profusely sweating if at all right. possible. Um, you know, if you wanted to go one step above that and you're, and you're comfortable with this, I would definitely recommend a little bit of bronzer for men too, you know, and I think with that, you're good to go. There's nothing else. For women, I would just say whatever basic level of makeup um, you'd put on, and, and I would maybe just a little bit darker, you know, with the bronzer, you know, just be given that you're going to be on television, but just basic mascara and that I think is, is all good. If, if you're on the paler side, like I am, I'm, I'm half Irish and Czech and very pale, you know, more <laughs> better. I think you can look a little clownish to yourself, but it won't look that way. And you can just test it out. I mean, just look at yourself, you know, when you're on Zoom and Skype and you'll be able to see. Uh, I think that's the best way. Anytime I've had a makeup or a dress mishap, you know, it's it's after when you're looking at the, <laughs> you notice that? So that's kind of the, the pro of this is that you can sort of see for yourself how it will look ahead of time. But yeah, if, if you can make it work. Now I will say with the makeup and in regards to dress code, you know, it's a different time. Right. So you don't need to look like you're going to a beauty pageant and you don't need to be in a ball gown, you know? And I think um, it is it is one of those times where given the subject matter, if you are gonna be in just like a half zip um, and then otherwise look pretty professional and in jeans, that is okay. You know, I don't think you necessarily need to be in a full suit for yeah. these types of things. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a I, I would also probably, if you don't, if you're not habitually bearded, you can probably shave the Corona beard and- uh, right. No, yeah. Do your best to to tame the tame the hair. The yeah. I mean, the, the rule I was told years ago was that you generally are expected to match the 
the way the host is dressed, right? So if the host is in a coat and tie, you should be in a coat and tie. Actually, for outdoor shots, I was also, also told you should kind of match how they're dressed for the weather. So if they're wearing an overcoat, you wear an overcoat. But in this case, I think everyone sort of expects Chuck Todd and Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer to still be wearing neckties. I don't think anyone expects you to go down, you know, put on a necktie sitting in your living room talking to your laptop. I mean, it looks a little unnatural. It looks a little forced. But pajamas are also not a very good idea. You need to look professional. You're on TV because you have something important to tell viewers look like a serious person. Yeah, and it's, it's a visual medium. So if you've never worn something before, I would wear it before you wear it on TV so you know what it feels like. I mean, some of this seems very intuitive, but if you haven't done it before and you haven't thought it through, it is a good time just to kind of go through those basics. The other thing I would also highlight is that because of we're doing this all via Skype and Zoom, they are looking to cut away from you, not, not because they're not happy with however the end product is, but just because it's not obviously ideal TV. So if you're going on and there's any photos, stats, B-roll that you can send that they will put up on the screen, they, producers and the graphic folks will be so grateful to you. So that's something I think to really think through too is what's kind of nice about this is you kind of get to help the producers with the visual elements of your package. So just making sure you're thinking through that too. And even if there's just some stats you're going to share, they can turn that in to a nice looking graphic on, on their end. So people are looking at something other than your face, which is nice too. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing to just remember is that they're improvising. They're kind of making this up as they're going along as well. So, you know, there's going to be, it's going to be a little bumpier than usual and it's harder to communicate with the control room because you don't have, you know, you don't have the, the squiggly in your ear. You don't have the microphone on that you traditionally use to, to talk to the folks who are producing the segment. And so, you know, sometimes the, you, all you can do is talk to the Skype and sometimes that doesn't work perfectly. Right. Right. Um, that is true. And I, and I do think that that's why you need to allow yourself more time. Yeah. to really practice. Um, and I would do a mock interview with someone ahead of time. You know, there's a fine balance because you never want to sound rehearsed. Right. Um, that's not good TV. But I think you need to be comfortable. Right, right. So it's, it's hitting that balance. And um, also in this time, something I know that is a pet peeve of shows, often, you know, if you're very eager, you're like, thanks for having me right away. Right actually eating into your own segment time, save that for the end, unless you read it and it's totally different with the host, but most hosts prefer that you do that at the end. And, you know, we were talking about the time being much more limited earlier. You know, if you're only going to speak once, you don't want to cut the 15 seconds away by right. thinking, um, you know, at, at the, at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to waste half. You don't want to say thanks so much for having me. And then they cut away to a press conference on the other side of the country and that's it. You're done. Um, I think that's, that's good advice. Keep that, keep the pleasantries for the end unless you read the host and they expect something different. One last thing is just never let the clip sit, you know, make sure that you're pushing that out um, on social channels where appropriate or emails to stakeholders. I think, going on TV is an amazing opportunity and you're, you're getting a lot of eyeballs that way, but don't let it just sit there. You right. know, make sure you're, you're pushing that clip out um, and using that as part of your, you know, external comm efforts. 
Totally. The appearance itself is in some ways the beginning of the effort, not the end. Right, right. All right. Well, that's that's it for today. Thanks so much, Molly, for joining me. I'm Michael Steele. And as always, thanks for listening to HPS Insights and have a great day. Stay safe out there. Thank you for listening to the HPS Insights podcast produced by Hamilton Place Strategies. For the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at HPS Insight and visit us on the web at hamiltonplacestrategies.com.